Hey, I'm Braddock Basket, and I have never in my life listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Is that what it's called? Yeah, whatever. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show, episode 269, your home of Cracker Crunch and Brittany Page. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and the aforementioned Cracker Cruncher sits directly across from me, the lovely and talented... Mini cheese and cracker loving Brittany Page. All I wanted was just a little snack. Why do you do this every, not every time? <laughs> I haven't done it in a very long time. <laughs> there is a preponderance of the shows. No. Not quite a preponderance, but there is a lot of times where you're stuffing your face and not with, it's not like you're eating marshmallows. <laughs> yeah. You eat crunchy crackers uh-huh. as your pre-show warm up. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, you were putting things together, and then all of a sudden the show has started. So it was kind of unexpected for me. Uh, it was unexpected. Yeah. Episode 269, folks. <laughs> it should not be unexpected how things go down. Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> sorry. Other than that, mm-hmm. you're filling your face with crackers. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling relaxed? I'm feeling so relaxed. We got massages. That is right. They were amazing. You know, it's kind of hit or miss with massages, especially when... It's a bummer. It can be hit or miss. Right. We're not going to those like chain places that are really expensive. We're going to these cheap places in the middle of nowhere. They're not in the middle of nowhere. We live in Orange County. (laughs) And they are super cheap, but amazing. Amazing. You had quite an experience with yours. Well, I didn't have quite the experience. Well, you I was were kind worried. of shocked. I was worried about having quite an experience <laughs> because uh-huh. I'm I'm a modest fella. I I I keep my underwears on, mm-hmm. and I was it was requested that I take them off she by said, the woman massaging you, you. That's right. Can you can you take? And she didn't speak very good English, and I'm not going to do. For people, I don't Please think it's don't. racist to do a Chinese lady's accent, but I don't want to offend the sensibilities of those who do. Right. And she asked me politely, "Um, can you take, uh, you didn't know the word. I'm like, am I underwear? She goes, yeah, can you take them off? I go, yeah. She goes, I'll help you. And next thing I knew, I was sans chinos. No <laughs> skivvies at all. Yeah. She took them off like a... You know, like those kids when you're in, uh, this is to the, the men in the audience, uh-huh. those boys in junior high who act like they're an expert because they can take a bra off with one hand. Mm. It was like that. She, my underwear were, they were gone. She's an expert. Yeah. In underwear removal. And then the, the massage began, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And then at the very end, I was a little worried. Uh-huh. I was worried she's going to touch it. <laughs> and so the, the enjoyment of the massage kind of stopped because I was running through my head. How am I going to address the yeah, sitch? I don't want to be like rude. Like, oh, no, that, you know, I got uh, I could take care of that myself mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. It never happened. She didn't touch it. Uh-huh. But I was just uh, <laughs> a little weirded out because I I was preoccupied with how I was going to deal with 
the possible inevitability mm-hmm. that she does that she would touch it. I look forward to caller stories about this because <laughs> I I'm, don't. Why are you even doing that? Well, because I'm sure they're out there, and you apparently need some advice on how to handle the sitch because it may happen again. Although mine was a little intimate too, because I keep my thong on, and you know they tuck the sheet under your underwear very strategically so that you feel like they're not doing anything to you, right? Oh, yeah. Or looking in places they shouldn't. Yeah, they, they keep you strategically covered. But she was greasing up her elbows pretty good and really getting in my ass. And I think <laughs> that her elbow may have slid past my asshole a couple of times. I just, it might have happened. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? They get real intimate with you. They don't care. It doesn't matter. Wow. <laughs> I, listen, I, it was a good massage. I'll go back for sure. Oh, it was great. It, it was one of those massages where they are popping all those knots in your back, but not hurting you. I wasn't in pain, which and was you're amazing. A wuss. You're a wuss. I'm a total like wuss. Yeah. yeah. And she was using her elbow on me and it wasn't hurting me. Every single time I've had a massage where they use their elbow on me, it's just painful. And I'm like, when is this going to stop? <laughs> But I you know d- you can tell them, hey, that hurts. Don't do it that hard. Yeah, I just uh, I tough it out, <laughs> you know. So you're paying for something that's torture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a masochist. Well, and then I had the experience where I turned over, right? They ask you to flip over. And I flip over. She's like, oh, you're so beautiful. And I know that that's not the case because she had just she was massaging my head. My hair looked completely different than it did when I finished the massage from when I first laid down. And you had that experience last time we got a massage where you rolled over and she's like, oh, you're so handsome. So I think this is a new manipulative trick. that She called me a handsome gentleman. Yeah. As she was massaging my face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's like a. Hey, I complimented you. We're friends now. Tip me. Yeah, yeah, it's probably fishing <laughs> for a good tip. Yeah, so anyway, good time. It was it was a solid massage. Yeah, it was very good. Not something we do often. We should start doing it more often. We really should. Because, you know, it's like rolling the dice. Are they going to touch it? Are they not going to touch it? What, what should I... It's kind of an adventure. <laughs> I guess so for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's get to some voicemails before we move on. We, we we got a whole bunch of communication this week. We didn't get to a lot of it last week because the show ended up going an hour and 15, 16 minutes. And uh, again, this week, we got a lot to cover. So let's just jump right in. Hey, how y'all doing? I love the show. I'm a first-time caller. I listened to the show uh, last week about the four black teenagers in Chicago that did that totally heinous act against a mentally ill uh, white person. As a father of a child with autism, I find that totally unacceptable and fucking horrendous. But I also have to say that the act that was committed against the black mentally ill teenager against his football teammates that nobody is really bringing anything up about was also fucked up. But this crime against this white teenager is considered a hate crime, but that wasn't. They just do like they always do in the media, sweep it up under the rug and give not one fuck about black teenagers or black lives anyway. But that's all I had to say. Love the show. Of course, Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Universally loved. 
Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I would I, listen. I I agree with you. I I don't. There's nothing I I disagree with anything you said. I will say this because I have a little bit of closeness to that case that you're talking about, where the black mentally challenged or disabled or I don't know exactly what his situation was, but he was ultimately raped by a teammate, a white teammate. That is in a, a rural Idaho town in southern Idaho. Mm-hmm. And he's likely one of a hand, literally five or six black people within a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. And there is a pervasive, this isn't going to be popular, but there is a pervasive racist current that runs through that entire area largely because it is Mormon dominated. It is, it is that entire, there's more Mormons per capita in Idaho or in Boise, Idaho than in Salt Lake City. A lot of those Mormons that the pioneers that came West that took over, it's probably not at all what he was, he was looking for a commentary on a religion, but they, they, they migrated North into Idaho and the Mormon church didn't let people with black skin become, have the priesthood is what they call it, until 1978 by church decree. There are many scriptures in the the Book of Mormon that talk about being white and delightsome and how that is purity. There are are odd doctrines in the the Mormon church that talk about the, well, there's the Adam-God doctrine. There's all kinds of weird stuff in this faith that points to the darker your skin being, the more evil the spirit or whatever they got your body. And there's all kinds of weird shit going on. So, so there, was that there, kid Mormon, though? I'm confused. I, um, I don't know. Okay. But what I'm city saying, was it in Idaho? I don't know. Okay. I think it was like Rigby. Okay. Very small. To, what's that? Very small town. Very small, very Mormon. Mm-hmm. Near Twin Falls, over there, that mm-hmm, area. Mm-hmm. Now you're grilling me about the geography. It's southern Idaho. Yeah. You, you know what it is. Well, it's the uh, second congressional district of Idaho. Yeah, I guess I'm just, you went straight to the Mormon thing, and I was kind of just thinking backwoods, period. I, I'm just saying culturally down there, okay. it is very, very white, very conservative. Mm-hmm. And look, I think a lot of times people who live in the backwoods or live in farmland where it's all white, everything they see, everybody they deal with is white, white, white. The only cultural influence they have of of black culture is shit on TV where it's the baggy panted gang kid in a TV show. And so they have these negative reflections on what black culture is and it doesn't help. It's terrible. And you're absolutely right. That kid should be should be in fucking prison. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be allowed to be extricated from the the experience and the punishment of being a sexual predator. Because mm-hmm. that is exactly what he is. Right. And it is a hate crime, which was the other part of it. It is a hate crime. You fucked with him because he's different. And that's a problem. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much. Hope that wasn't too in the weeds and convoluted, but let's move on to some Trump frustration. Hey, Brittany and Jesse, this is uh, Kevin from San Antonio, Texas, once more. And, uh, you know, I- I'm a liberal. I voted for Bernie in the primary, Silvina General. 
But I have to say, liberals like Glenn Beanwater are getting on my last goddamn nerve. <laughs> and I might touch a lot in this arena, but it, it's just striking to me how Glenn Greenwald can go up there on Fox News, on Fox News, and, and just rant about how the media wants war, this, that, and the other, but you don't believe the CIA, you don't believe 17 independent outlets that tell you that Russia hacked our election. Like, you, you expect me to, to, to buy your assertion with no evidence and tell me to not buy 17 independent outlets telling us that Russia hacked us. You expect me to buy WikiLeaks and not even question them, especially during this week when Julian Assange had an AMA on Reddit where he went around questions and spanned so hard it would make Kellyanne Conway blush. You know, he was asked legitimate questions. You know, why did they tweet in 2010 about having this huge dump on Russia that would crush them, but then a week later, Julian Assange gets a visa to Russia and gets a spot on Russian television or Russian Today, whatever the hell it is. And why don't they have a section on Russia and Putin on their, on their website? And these tweets just further confirm what their agenda lies. They, they have done no tweets criticizing Russia. They defended Russia with the Panama Papers release. Now they're tweeting the criticism of Obama, apparently the Obama administration linking information to, I think it was ABC or NBC. Yet they're all about leaves, they're all about truth be truth, they're all about 100% transparency. And yet Julian Assange wasn't like that. So, so going meanwhile expects me to believe WikiLeaks has no agenda and to buy them fully without any questions. But to, but to deny it to CIA. I don't mind being skeptical of the CIA. I think healthy skepticism is rewarded. You know, this is why, um, even though I think it's hilarious and definitely love it to be true about the whole piss thing with Donald Trump, I'm skeptical about it because it's not verified, you know? But it, it's just, to me, the, the hypocrisy is so overwhelming. And it's like Glenn Greenwald kills more about his legacy and wanting to rewrite anything else. Well, uh, Love the show. You guys are doing great. And uh, hope you don't get hacked by Russia because they'll be doing the best part. Bye. <laughs> that would be bad. Oh, Kevin. Very funny and, you know, poignant. I, I think there is something to be said here, and this might be a little conspiratorial. And it Uh-oh. might, again, be because of my bias that I say this because uh-huh. I'm apparently the guy who now recognizes his biases and tries to, to, to you know, mitigate his his uh his opinion so good is well one i don't like glenn, glenn, glenn greenwald i think he is a fucking hack he's a liar he he presents complete bullshit fabricated information about guys like sam harris and twists and contorts his opinion and you guys if you've listened to the show for any time at all you know that i have plenty of criticisms of sam harris so it's not like i'm a i'm a sam harris fanboy I got into a, a little argument, if you will, a disagreement with Ali Rizvi when we had him on the show about Sam Harris. But Glenn Greenwald works for The Intercept and works for The Guardian and is real close to Ed Snowden, who is under the protection, if you will, of Russia. So for me, there's, there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there to be taking his word as is because of his relationship to Russia. And I don't think that he's he's being completely honest at all. Mm-hmm. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. 
All right, let's let's we actually have two more, and all of these last emails all deal with Trump frustrations. Do you want to write read an email before we move on to the voicemails? No. Hey guys, this is John up in northern Michigan here. I'm that uh that super awesome guy who couldn't figure out how to leave a voicemail the right way earlier in the week. Um, but I just called in to share some grievances about, you know, Trump's Twitter use. Um, the first time I called in, it was about how he called Meryl Streep overrated and a Hillary funky, um, which really grinded my gears because that means that 64 million people, 54% of the people who voted are also Hillary funkies. Um, as someone who's supposed to lead our country and be a role model for the people um, that are under him, that really seems like a rude and insulting thing to say. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I got to wait till now to leave this voicemail because just this morning he was on Twitter talking about how Clinton lost the election because she did not campaign in the right state um, with no enthusiasm. And that is just comical because he's essentially conceding that he played the game better than she did. Um, she, you know, obviously won the popular vote, but he played the game better. Um, it seems like in this tumultuous time, Trump would say something like, you know, Hillary lost because she didn't connect with the heart of the people in the Midwest, the blue collar, you know, like Ryan in Michigan. Um, but instead, he's just talking about how he played the game better. Um, and that's some bullshit. This dude is a fucking clown. I can only imagine what size his shoes have to be because he's such a clown. Um, but I just wanted to vent a little bit. Um, I love the show. I've been listening for about six months. Um, even though Brittany's the best part, Jesse, I feel like we are definitely kindred spirits. Um, you guys have a good one. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. I love Bye. that voicemail because I love when people use logic to smash people. Yes. And that's what he did with Donald Trump. Yeah. Right? Well, here, here's the thing that really gets to me. It's all of these Trump supporters, these brainwashed, low-information knuckleheads. And if you're one of them, hey, sorry, that's you voted for a guy and you put all of that, all the terrible shit aside and it wasn't a deal breaker for you. I got a problem with that. But all of these people, they're not being retrospective enough to look back and say, what would we do if Barack Obama was tweeting about actresses and actors that he did not like calling them names? What if within days of his election, before even taking the oath of office, Obama had sent a tweet calling Mitch McConnell the head fucking clown? Heads would have, it would have been out, outrageous yeah. protests in Congress. Right. Speeches, fiery speeches would have been given. Mm -hmm. Arms aflailing. Giant signs printed in the in the congressional print office, and oh, it, it would have been unacceptable. Unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Ah, that was a Wednesday. Well, it's yeah. just a normal day. This is who he is. Well, you can't. You you got to look at his heart. They say right. You can't see t say what comes out of his mouth. That doesn't determine the worth of the man. It's what's in his heart. Right. And then you know he sends out another Saturday Night Live tweet this weekend, and it just it isn't interesting anymore it's not funny anymore it's just when is this going to stop it's, when are people going to come out and say listen you not. need to get your shit together yeah, this is not. unacceptable behavior i really think he's going to be impeached i really have a a strong 
And look, who am I? I didn't think he would get. I didn't think he would run. I didn't think he'd get the nomination. I didn't think he'd win. I am fucking wrong a lot <laughs> related to Donald Trump. So don't take my word for it. Uh-huh. But if you are still in the Jesse D camp, then join me in really feeling strong about him getting impeached. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to some of that later. But uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks for the voicemail. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on to to frustration with Bull Trump. And his straw-haired beauty, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway. Hey, guys. Brittany from Mississippi here. Um, just wanted to comment on something on Podcast 268, and it's going to be negative, and I'm going to follow it with a positive. But uh, Kellyanne Conway, I can't deal with her anymore. I can't I can't do it. Um, I've known so many people that were like her that were just that gaslight, they, the narcissistic behavior. Um, and, and those people I had to walk away from and had to really separate myself from them, um, so that I could be healthy. And, um, I feel like I'm reliving all those people over again in her. Every time I see her, every time I hear her voice, every time, you know, she's in an interview, it triggers emotions and memories. And, um, it really, I mean, it really genuinely affects me in a way that I don't like. And I just, I'm trying to figure out how we go from the administration that we are a part of at this moment to what we're about to receive. I I really don't, I can't figure it out. I really can't. And I'm at a loss, really. Um, but anyway, that's my negative. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about her. Um, my positive is, speaking of this past administration, um, I'm currently three months pregnant. I'm due at the end of July. And it's really made me think about, now that we are making this switch, um, what kind of world am I bringing a child into? What kind of world am I involved in that I'm bringing a child into? And um, it's really made me evaluate things in my life, what I'm doing, what I'm capable of doing, what I want to be doing. And I do have a college degree that I don't use. Um, part of that college degree was never completed because I never completed the licensure to become a teacher or an educator. Um, and so with that being said, I've already spent the money to get the ball rolling, um, invested what I could up front and will continue to invest um, to finish that degree uh, or that part of my degree in history. Um, I've noticed that history has kind of fallen by the wayside, I feel like. I don't know if that's a common core thing or what, but where I'm from, you're taught to um, worry about what you learn at church more than you do at school, which is just beyond me. But anyway, um, so kids don't really know about elections. They don't really know about our presidents. They don't know about, you know, how our government started and what makes our our country so great. Um, So, I am already uh, applied and everything for fall semester, which will be after I give birth. Uh, But uh, so I can go back to school and finish that part of my degree in history and get a social studies licensure to teach high school history, which involves U.S. government. So thanks, Obama. He's the one he and Joe Biden inspired me to do this. And um, that's my positive. So. That's it. Love the show, of course, and we Britneys are always the best part. Love the show. Britney's the best part. Bye. Do you think that I would be able to take a class with Britney? Because you hear that passion? That's awesome. She's going to be an amazing teacher. It really is motivating. Yeah. That it is the silver lining in this 
fucking shit cloud that we're we're under right now. The Donald Trump, the the, the prospect of him being president, uh-huh. is a dark cloud. Not over just uh, the United States, but the world. Right. And this is the silver lining that there yeah. are millions of people out there who are asking this very question, which is, what the fuck can I do? Mm-hmm. What can I do to make the world a better place to counteract the shit cloud? Right. What difference yeah. can I make? I want to be a shit cloud umbrella that keeps the shit rain from uh-huh. falling on everybody. And I think Brittany uh, number two will be a great uh, shit cloud <laughs> umbrella. I think she will too. <laughs> Brittany number two, shit cloud umbrella. It's great. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Yeah. It really is. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up with the email. Yes. Best part, Brittany and the ever jovial Jesse. Morning, you banjo loving freaks. My name is Matt from Orlando, and my son Ethan was featured on the intro for episode 264. I've been listening to you guys for some time now and foaming at the mouth for my new mug to arrive in the mail. It arrived. So I'm passionate about supporting the show. This is more than a podcast, it feels like a family. Whatever the fuck that means. But yeah, sure. Like family. Like Jesse's, my outspoken black sheep brother, home from junior college for Thanksgiving or prison. Still not sure which scenario works best. (laughs) Pissing our parents off by saying he's voting Dukakis. And Brittany is my cool, level-headed sister that's Skyping in from Harvard. Her face on a screen at the end of the table as we all eat her Duncan. Fun times. Anyway, I digress. I just wanted to take a moment. You you think? (laughs) You think you digress? (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you guys for playing our little creation. Ethan turned 13 the other day, and it was absolutely the most incredible gift to have his voice piped across the pod waves, especially by his heroes. And I say that with absolute seriousness. This kid loves your show. You guys are some of his role models. Yeah, I might draw the ire of people who think I shouldn't let my kid listen to such colorful content on the interwebs, but I said fuck it a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. He's hearing far worse from his friends at school without any guidance and I'd much rather have an adult dialogue with him about anything free of censorship. Hell, my wife used to sell sex toys at home parties so we're definitely cut from a more progressive cloth. It's worth noting that I didn't shield Ethan from anything during this election. We had incredible, sometimes heated conversations about our taco season tyrant and how it is essential for him to listen to all sides of every issue before drawing any conclusions. We live in Orange County, Florida, the only island that voted for Clinton in a sea of decidedly red necks. So, as you can imagine, he was often accosted by Trump stickers in parking lots and Trump proxy support from a few prick-like peers at school. Instead, he regularly speaks out in defense of the LGBTQ. He is open about his worldviews on immigration. He understands how civil rights are at risk and how the poor and marginalized are being attacked, even as a white kid in a more privileged part of the Orlando area. I'm proud of how ferocious and passionate he has become about politics, and your show has been vital to that. Goddamn. Sure, I worry about him getting too immersed in grown-up issues before he grows up, but what the hell? Fuck it. I like having a smart, well-informed kid to hang around with. Love the show, and as always, Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. I I would say this, that uh, don't be too afraid, parents, about having your kids understand adult-type issues. Uh, Maybe this is just, well, not maybe. This is absolutely 100% anecdotal. But I, as a kid was I was always that annoying little fucker who wanted to hang around with the adults and like getting shooed away because I wanted to be involved in the adult conversation. 
playing with Legos, I didn't, I didn't give a shit about. I decided that politics was my thing when I was like six years old. Mm-hmm. I remember where we were. We were driving down Midland Avenue in Nampa, Idaho, and there was a thing on the radio about President Carter and how everything was all fucked up. And I, uh, an interest was born. Brittany That's Payne. awesome. That's an awesome memory. So I would say that it's good to to have a kid start understanding at an early age, especially if they have a passion for it and a proclivity to it. Mm-hmm. So, well, especially when you are the odd man out, right? Which I was in my school. I was one of very few liberals. So when you have that opportunity to um, grow up and influence the people that you're around who are just regurgitating what their parents tell them. Right, which I did too. I, that's what I did. Yeah. I, just, I was little little conservative guy, just an automaton. It's good to start out being informed and start out being told, listen, let's research this. Let's figure it out. That's a good thing. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys all for the voicemails. Thank you for the emails. We appreciate it very much. If we didn't get to your call and if we didn't get to your voicemail, let not your heart be troubled. There are still episodes coming where you can call in and and share your feelings. 657-464-7609. Or of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We appreciate it very, very much. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. So I know we don't have a bumper for the mugs, but in case you were wondering, we should have a bumper for the mugs because our our listeners haven't they haven't didn't you ask last time for oh you didn't that was in my head I'm imagining shit never mind belay my last I cannot <laughs> tell you whether or not you did what you're not explaining to me what you're talking about I okay. don't know so we still have mugs and you can buy them at dollamore.com/shop there are only a handful left but we are making another order soon. So get them. Get get to getting. Yeah. If you're going to get to getting to get to get the mug, you better get. And listen, if you want to have getting. some drinky drink in your cup for the inauguration, then you better get it soon. Right? Yeah, it'd have to be like right. Oh, uh, I don't even know. Yeah. It had to be like right now. And yeah. we'd have to ship it tomorrow. And yeah. then maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I'm getting your hopes up. And I'll tell you what, all these last mugs that we ship, we'll throw some stickers in there too. Yeah. And so you could, you know, make your own little fancy mug on a regular plain coffee mug <laughs> with a sticker. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. We love you guys. Appreciate you very much. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, in the wake of the PP gate if you will, the golden showers gate, mm-hmm. the Donald Trump paying prostitutes to urinate on a bed that allegedly President Obama and Michelle Obama slept in, allegedly, gate. Um, remember last time when Kellyanne Conway sat with, well, I guess we didn't play the clip, we just talked about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you were pretty fired up. Yeah, I was. You were pretty upset. <laughs> right. Kellyanne Conway was on with Anderson Cooper, and she denied 
for 25 minutes denied that Donald Trump was briefed about this particular allegation that was floating out there. Well, now it has been decidedly proved that she's a fucking liar, a traitor to her country. Because Vice President Biden has come out and said, yeah, absolutely, the vice, uh, that he and the president were briefed on this. They were given the same brief that President-elect Trump was given. And now we know Kellyanne Conway lied. It, it is just, it's remarkable. But that's not necessarily, I just wanted to do that as an update. We're going to briefly talk about, very briefly talk about, we've got several topics to hit here and we need to, to get rolling through them is General Mike Flynn, who is a top secu- uh, national security advisor to Donald Trump. And I, he's going to be, I think, the national security advisor under Donald Trump. That's his choice for national security advisor. That's right. Yep. And he has a very problematic link going back years with Russia. Flynn's ties to Russia have been scrutinized since the moment Trump tapped him to be his closest advisor on national security. Flynn was seated right next to President Putin at a Russian media gala in December of 2015 and previously had a paid speaking gig with Russia Today, the Kremlin's TV network, though before he took on a formal campaign role. Today, Trump again denied claims that Russia has compromising information on him and continued to accuse the intelligence chiefs of leaking the allegations. He tweeted it was probably released by intelligence, in quotes, even knowing there is no proof and never will be. A transition official tells CNN that there is not frequent contact between Flynn and the Russian ambassador to the U.S. And this key detail as well. They say that on that December 29th phone call, they did not, according to the transition, discuss those new sanctions that on the very same day the Obama administration was imposing on Russia. So it's not just me that has a problem with this, with this strange, tight-knit relationship that Mike Flynn, previous to even the campaign, has had with Russia. Now, it might not, it may seem very innocuous to you that he worked for RT, but working for RT effectively means you work for the Kremlin. Well, RT is a propaganda organization. It is a state-run media organization. Mm -hmm. So if you're cashing a paycheck from RT, you're on Vladimir Putin's payroll. They don't broadcast anything you say that isn't Kremlin-approved that isn't Putin approved. That's a problem. But I'm not the only one who has a problem with this. There are people who are very well respected in our government, like Senator Chris Coons, who also feels this way. Aaron, it does strain credibility uh, that uh, General Mike Flynn needed to place a call uh, to Russia's ambassador to the United Nations more than three weeks before uh, President-elect Trump's inauguration. Uh, after January 20th, once Trump becomes president, General Flynn's free to have any contacts he chooses with foreign governments and their ambassadors. Uh, but it seems very suspicious that three weeks in advance, uh, he needed to have a call in order to schedule a call that wouldn't happen for weeks hence. Um, I'll also say that the development of the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, the Republican chairman and Democratic ranking agreeing uh, to begin an investigation into contacts between the Trump campaign uh, and Russia's government uh, following the briefing that all senators received Thursday afternoon is a significant development. I mean, extremely significant. And, and I want to ask you about the, what the repercussions could be here, because when we take just this phone call uh, between uh, Michael Flynn and the ambassador, between General Flynn and the ambassador, if it turns out that Russian policy was discussed on that call, 
the Washington Post, which first broke this story, says that would violate the Logan Act, which uh, bars U.S. citizens from correspondence, I'm quoting on exactly what it does, intending to influence a foreign government about disputes with the United States, right? Only the president and the administration is supposed to be making Russian policy. So if this was talking about that, it would violate that. Would you enforce that act if you determined that they had talked about policy on that call? Well, Aaron, this is just the latest in a whole series of developments that raise real questions about uh, the gentleman that uh, President-elect Trump has nominated to be Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, uh, who's received a Medal of Friendship from Vladimir Putin. Uh, as you just heard, General Mike Kelly, who was on the payroll of RT, which is the Moscow uh, propaganda tool. I do think this raises real questions. The Logan Act, Aaron, has been rarely invoked in our history, yeah. uh, but it lays down a clear line that we only have one president at a time and that American leaders, American citizens shouldn't be engaging in their own foreign policy. And this would be a very serious matter. We would have to compel, we would be compelled to investigate further. So why is Donald Trump surrounding himself with so many people who have such close ties to Russia? Right. This is very concerning. You have Michael Flynn making these phone calls when Obama puts the sanctions on Russia. Yeah. And then you have Rex Tillerson, who was awarded the Medal of Friendship yes. by Vladimir Putin, who is a Rex Tillerson is a scary character. I don't know if you watched his his confirmation hearing, listeners. I know you did. But he is a, a scary character. Yeah. So you have all this information coming out about Donald Trump and Russia. And then you have all these people that he's surrounding himself with. And when are we going to get some actual answers out of this guy? Right. And this guy being Donald Trump about who he's choosing for his administration. It's not just that. And this goes back way back. This goes back to Paul Manafort, who was one of his... One of his many campaign managers, his campaign chairman or whatever. There's many people who have been involved in the Trump campaign, including his goddamn sons and himself, who have deep, very troubling ties to Russia. Right. And then you have Donald Trump in an interview with The Wall Street Journal that came out on Friday. And he said that he would leave the sanctions in place, quote, for at least a period of time, though he did not elaborate or prov provide a more specific time frame. He's indicated that he is somewhat open to lifting those sanctions. Right. He, he, this is, listen, every single policy point Every single policy preference that Donald Trump makes relative to Russia is a benefit to Russia. In fact, in many cases, more beneficial to Russia than the United States of America. Right. And he also said in that interview, quote, if you get along and if Russia is really helping us, why would anybody have sanctions if somebody's doing some really great things? Ugh. I understand that they would like to meet and that's absolutely fine with me. We're talking about a leader who murders journalists, activists, and political opponents. That's who we're talking about. Donald Trump's pal. Donald Trump's compliment opposite. They're constantly shuffling compliments back and forth to one another through the media. And of course, with Donald Trump on Twitter like a 15-year-old girl. This entire Russia issue goes hand in hand with the next thing we're going to talk about, which is kind of follow up to the press conference that Donald Trump held last week, in which he was supposed to explain to the American people 
how he was going to extricate him from the conflicts of interest, the countless conflicts of interest surrounding his international business holdings. Well, in the wake of that, Walter Schaub, who is the, the chairman, he's like the, the ethics czar. He is a political appointee, but a unanimously well-liked fella, a guy who everybody says is straight up, not a problem. He's not a hack. He is an honest guy. Well, Jason Chaffetz, who is a, I've talked about him at length. He's the guy who said, how can I look at my daughter after the whole grabbing by the pussy thing? How can I look at my daughter and vote for Donald Trump? How right. can I, how, well, I couldn't do that with any integrity or dignity at all. <laughs> and then like five days later came out and said, well, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. So, I yeah, think fuck, it honestly might've been two days later. Yeah, fuck, fuck my kid. Uh, she, she's really not that important. Yeah. He chairs an ethics committee on the house in the house. And he is now investigating Walter Schaub because Walter Schaub is questioning the efficacy of the me the measures that Donald Trump is putting in place, quote unquote, to have his sons run the business, but not, quote unquote, not talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. Come on. What, what are we fucking idiots? Well, Jason Chavis is investigating now Walter Schaub. He's going to have him appear before the committee in secret, in closed session. Not a public session where everyone can see and hear the proceedings to know what is taking place. They're going to do it in secret. Sounds super ethical, doesn't it? Well, here is an interview between Norman Eisen and Richard Painter in which they discuss this entire matter, both about Jason Chaffetz and Walter Shaw, but also generally the 30,000-foot view of this alleged or purported uh, extrication. Is that even a word, Brittany? Um, <laughs> the yes. Removal, the removal of the conflicts of interest surrounding Donald Trump's business ties. Let's talk more about that now with Richard Painter, former ethics chief for George W. Bush, Norm Eisen, who held the same job for President Obama. And Mr. Eisen, let me begin with you. You just saw Mr. previously said that Mr. Schaub is being political, he doesn't have standing, and he should be investigated. Well, uh, George, I think that is terrible. Uh, Walt Schaub is a dedicated uh, public servant, has come up through the ranks under both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, Professor Painter will tell you that he, he worked He did give a contribution to President Obama. Uh, he did. Before he was director, his predecessor also had done the same. It was a Republican, Mr. Cusick, who I worked with beautifully at this time. Partisanship has no place. Walt Schaub is a true ethics hero for speaking out. And George, he's cleared more than 50 percent of the nominations, Republican nominations that have been provided to him so far versus 20 percent at this point in the Obama transition, with I, which I worked on. I'm going to pause there. That's an awesome point. This is just more evidence that Walter Schaub is a stand-up guy. That at this, Because he did the vetting of the ethical vetting of all the nominations for both Obama and Donald Trump. And at this point in the transition between uh, Obama and, and Donald Trump, 20%, he had only approved of 20% of Obama's. He's approved 50% of Donald Trump's. So this guy doesn't have an ax to grind. He's being honest and upright about the, the, the job that he has to do to do his duty to which he was appointed.
Richard Payne, you've heard from the incoming uh, Trump administration. They say that no, the conflicts of interest laws do not apply to the president. That is correct on the, on the, the central conflict of interest law. And they've said that he's gone above and beyond what is called for by putting his assets into a trust or by putting his sons in charge of it. No new foreign deals, no information, limited information of what's going to be happening with the business. And putting the hotel profits from foreign, uh, from, from foreign countries in donating that to the Treasury. Why isn't that good enough? Uh, well, uh, some of the conflict of interest laws do apply to the president, in particular the Emoluments Clause of the Constitution, which prohibits any type of benefit uh, from a foreign government. And uh, merely taking the profits uh, from the hotels and putting uh, those aside is not enough. They need to look at bank loans. They need to look at uh, foreign banks uh, leasing space in the Trump Tower. Uh, there are a broad range of issues that need to be dealt with. Uh, we've got the president's name up on buildings in places where there could be a terrorist attack. Uh, this is a very precarious situation. The Office of Government Ethics has taken the right position on this, one consistent with many Republicans and Democrats. And by the way, OGE and Walt Schaub in particular were very, very helpful in moving Bush nominees through. This is not a partisan organization at all. So, so bottom line, if, if, if we've seen what we're going to see from President-elect Trump in terms of dealing with his conflicts of interest, do you believe he is going to be in violation of the Constitution when he takes that oath on Friday? I believe, yes, if he does not make sure that all the foreign government payments, and this includes banks and other corporations owned by foreign governments and sovereign wealth funds, that all of that money is not out of the Trump organization uh, by Friday when he takes the oath. He will be in violation of the Constitution. The founders knew that foreign governments would try to meddle in our elections, meddle in our politics, and they did not want any foreign government money coming to anyone holding a position of trust with our government. I see you nodding your head in agreement. Why? is Congressman Chaffetz investigating Walter Schaub for doing his job, George, uh, for speaking so courageously. It was one of the most extraordinary acts of courage that I've seen from a, a, a career uh, public official. Instead of investigating the fact that the president-elect is going to be violating the Constitution with these flows of foreign funds, they admit they have a problem. They say, oh, well, we won't, his lawyer said, well, we won't take the profits in the hotels. What about the golf courses? What about the huge foreign bank loans? What about the condos and the apartments that they sell, the permitting and the trademarks? Uh, the, Mr. Chaffetz should be investigating the president-elect's impending violation of the Constitution, not this poor government official who's just trying to do his job. And, the, and Mr. Chaffetz has endorsed that unconstitutional well, plan. Let's take that question to him. Thank you both very much. All right. So clearly there is a massive problem here that we need to face as a country. This is unprecedented that we have a man with this many financial problems, but potential financial problems facing from an ethics standpoint to become president. And he's being protected. Being completely protected by his party rather than them doing the right thing because it does put our country in jeopardy and at risk of foreign influence. Well, he's being protected by his party and even the Office of Government Ethics, which is supposed to be a nonpartisan That's right. organization. It is a nonpartisan organization. Yeah. Are you talking about the committee or or the Office of, of Ethics? Well, Chafis isn't acting as though... That's right. No, he's not. That should this be... This is motivated. Yeah, he This is motivated protection yes. of Donald Trump. That's exactly right. When he was originally taking a position that he was against Donald Trump... What he can't stop, though... Sorry, but what he can't stop, though, is some lawsuit to go forward. All that stops is congressional inquiry. If somebody brings a case 
before that has standing, who brings a case before the courts, they will deal with this. The, the constitutional question will be answered, and I think it'll be expedited up through to the Supreme Court so we don't have to fuck around for years and years while this monster resides in the White House. But, but let's talk a little bit very quickly. Look, I'm not a lawyer. All this stuff goes way over my head. But very quickly about the, um, the emoluments uh, clause of the Constitution. Uh, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 8 of the Constitution says, No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office or profit of trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept of any present emolument, which is like a salary or, or payment, salary fee or profit from employment of office, uh, of emolument, office, or title of any kind whatever from any king, prince, or foreign state. Well, if Donald Trump is a business and he's being paid by a foreign government, their diplomats, or whatever, that is against the Constitution plainly. You don't have to be a fucking lawyer or a constitutional expert or a historian to, to know in the very plainly written language that our founders used here, that James Madison used here, he cannot receive money. Emolument is payment, is salary. And if he's earning money through them staying in his hotel or teeing off on his golf courses or whatever, that is against the Constitution. And I, you know, I think the courts will rule that way. So whether or not Chaffetz wants to do the right thing here, and it is the right thing, this will eventually lead to a court case, and it'll be brought, I think, before the Supreme Court, and they will decide. Well, because it seems as though Chaffetz is trying to influence the OGE. He's trying to almost put pressure, right, and turn this into a, a partisan issue where it's kind of a scare tactic thing. Yes. Right? I'm going to force you into doing that, what I want you to do. That is exactly what he's doing. It's and, a scare tactic. And that's alarming. They're trying to intimidate a right. witness. Right. That's not the that's not the role of a congressional committee. That's not the role of ultimately what a court, which is what they're trying to be here. Even the role of a nonpartisan individual who's overseeing all this. Right. They they're not being influenced. They shouldn't be influenced. Yeah. All right. Well, let's well, we got to move on. <laughs> Again, we're running uh, really late. Uh, very quickly, we're going to talk about Donald Trump and how he has uh, appointed or he plans to appoint Robert Kennedy Jr., who is an anti-vax nutter butter, believe it, to, to, to form some kind of committee on medical ethics to hold uh, to science ethics or something. Asked him to be chairman of a commission on vaccines and scientific integrity. Science integrity, that's right. Mm -hmm. What a great choice. Yeah, Robert Kennedy, come on. A member of the Kennedy political dynasty who favors fringe theories on vaccinations over mainstream medical practices says he would lead a new vaccination safety commission under Donald Trump. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. meeting with the president-elect today, even as a spokesperson for Trump, tells NBC News he's exploring the possibility of forming a committee on autism, but adds no decisions have been made at this time. President-elect Trump has some doubts about, uh, about the current vaccine policies, and he has questions about it. He says his opinion doesn't matter, but he, but the science does matter. That science already settled with every major medical association in agreement. Doctors debunking a study that years ago falsely claimed a link between vaccines and autism. 
The American Academy of Pediatrics reiterating today vaccines are safe, effective and save lives. While the president-elect himself has said he's pro-vaccine, he's tweeted repeatedly about what he believes is a link to autism. I am totally in favor of vaccines, but I want smaller doses over a longer period of time. Well, tonight, it's not clear what an autism commission might look like. The president-elect's delivering a different health care message to Congress that couldn't be more clear. I am totally pro-vaccine. I just blah, blah. Yeah, nobody fucking cares whether you're pro-vaccine or not, Donald Trump. You're not a scientist. And neither are you, Robert Kennedy. You're a lawyer. And Donald Trump, nobody knows what you are. It's also the, I am pro-vaccine, but... Uh, well, that's, well, that's the new routine now. <laughs> Even Jenny McCarthy, Jenny McCarthy says, I was never anti-vaccine. Shut up! We all heard you. We know what you are. You're absolutely anti-vaccine. Yes. If you make a claim that vaccines lead to autism, you are out of step with the scientific consensus worldwide. Yes, if and I... Andrew Wakefield, sorry, Brittany, but Andrew Wakefield is the guy who's the, 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 the charlatan, the liar who started all of this. All of this doubt that you hear was started by one dickhead who, who falsified research and has had his medical license stripped. That's the fact. There is more scientific consensus on vaccines than there is on climate change. So both of these knuckle. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm getting. I, I'm getting a little, little hot under the collar, and I'm wearing a t-shirt. So. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that 538 wrote a really fascinating article asking the question. Will, but I think no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> will vaccines become another partisan issue? And they say that vaccines now have a wide bipartisan support. Most Americans agree with the scientific consensus that they are safe. And they cite this YouGov survey conducted last month that says 72% of Democrats and 67% of independents, 71% of Republicans say that it was not true that vaccines caused autism. So 72% of Democrats, 71% of Republicans say that uh, vaccines do not cause autism. Is this going to start tanking now that Donald Trump is coming out saying these things, now that he has Robert Kennedy, right. that he might appoint as a chairman to oversee science issues? Right. Science integrity. And and they cite Russia as one of the things that became a, a bipartisan issue, right? Where originally Americans generally were not favorable of Russia, but then it became a partisan issue. Right. And now Republicans view Russia pretty favorably. It was 53% of Americans disapproved of Russia. And then as, in July, as soon as Donald Trump started running his fucking mouth about how much he loves Russia, it went to 61% approve. That's an overnight jump just because Mr. Coppertone decided to run his mouth and change everybody's opinion. They also cite um, climate change is another interesting one that became yeah. a partisan issue. So back in 1998, 48% of Republicans and 47% of Democrats said that global warming had already begun. By 2007, after a decade of fighting between Democrats and Republicans on the issue, as well as the release of An Inconvenient Truth, which was Al Gore's movie, right? 70% mm -hmm. of Democrats believed that climate change had started, but then it dropped down to 45% of Republicans. Yeah. So... Well, there was a lot, I think, I think the Al Gore movie, as sensationalistic as it was, didn't do the cause any favors because the short timelines for catastrophe that he presented was a little far-fetched. Mm -hmm. And I understand what his goal was, 
but I think a more metered, reasonable approach in his messaging would have would have gone a, a lot further. Well, it's also Al Gore being behind it. <laughs> right. And Which automatically politicizes. Yeah. It. yeah. I mean, it's immediate. If Coming out of a very controversial administration. Right. Yeah. So Even I, though he and Bill Clinton weren't buddies at the end. There. Yes. They were, they were kind of at each other's throats. Yeah. But that speaks to the partisan issue where, well, For this sure. is Al Gore saying this. F him. It's not true. Right. Right. Yeah. And hopefully this won't happen with a scientific issue Again, vaccines. Well, listen, here we are again at the end of the show, and I still have two massive swaths of topics to talk about. I still have, uh, so we're only going to cover one. I'll I'll let you pick, Brittany. We got the the John Lewis stuff with a couple of clips. No, we're going to do that because I've got all of this, these uh, nominations, these confirmation hearings that I want to get to and talk about these people. They're still going to be going on on Wednesday, though, so we'll cover them then. Yes, I was going to choose John Lewis anyway. All so, right. Perfect. Well, that, that worked out well. Yeah. Congressman John Lewis, if you don't know, is a titan civil rights leader, an historic man, a noble individual who risked his life to better the situation for blacks in our country, had his head fucking split open by police in the march in Selma, this is not a guy who is all talk, 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 like Donald Trump said in a tweet the other day. The reason Donald Trump tweeted that is because of this interview with Chuck Todd, and I'm only pulling the clips of the most controversial moments that caused Donald Trump or motivated, nothing causes him to do anything, but it motivated him to say the salacious and wrong things about Congressman Lewis. You know, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in trying to work with people. Um, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. I, I think the Russians participated in helping this man get elected, and they helped destroy the candidacy of Hillary Clinton. Uh, I don't plan to attend inauguration. It would be the first one that I miss uh, since I've been in the Congress. You you cannot be at home with something that you feel that is wrong. I think there was a conspiracy on the part of the Russians and others to help him get elected. That's not right. That's not fair. That's not the open democratic process. So he says he's not going to attend. He talks about Donald Trump's presidency being uh, illegitimate. That obviously sent Donald Trump into a fury, a rage, Twitter fury. But I want to I want to mention one thing here about Congressman Lewis and about the fact that this will be the first inauguration that he's missed since having been in office. That's a big deal. And that goes to what I've been talking about for since Donald Trump's election. That these aren't normal times. This isn't... John Lewis didn't not go to George W. Bush's inaugurations. Right. He didn't skip Ronald Reagan's inaugurations. He didn't skip George H.W. Bush's inaugurations. They were just political opponents. They were just the other party, the opposition. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump represents something completely different and uniquely dangerous to our country that John Lewis recognizes. That millions 
tens of millions of Americans recognize. Extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures, and him not attending is working. It is sending a signal to everyone who respect him that this is a big deal. We're going to end with these last two clips, pointing out the rampant and hilarious, fucking hilarious hypocrisy of the right. We all know how Barack Obama was met upon taking office. We all know exactly how the president-elect of the United States currently treated Barack Obama in the first few years of his office. Actually, the entire term of his office, leading up until last year when he finally said that he thought Barack Obama was born here. Well, here's Ben Ferguson. He's a political commentator. And he is on with a panel, and they are discussing if the tables were turned and listen to his short memory of history. Your, your thoughts, Ben, on, on the back and forth and, and ultimately what's resulting in fewer Democrats going uh, on Friday to the inauguration. Uh, one, I think it's sad. I think the inauguration is a day when people are supposed to come together, reach across the aisle, and even for a moment put the the country's business ahead of their personal politics. We've seen that throughout history with a smooth transition of power, even after there have been very nasty campaigns. Uh, I also think it is unprecedented uh, that a congressman uh, with a stature uh, uh, was able to come out and say, I don't believe Donald Trump is a legitimate president. I cannot imagine the the fallout, the backfire that you would have if a Republican would have ever implied that about Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or, or JFK or anyone else, for that matter. Ben, uh, Ben, that is, Ben, that, Ben, that's exactly did, what ben. many Republicans <laughs> did, including the president-elect, for years questioning the legitimacy of the first black president, which, by the way, many when, saw when did, as racist. When did, you have, when did you have John McCain or any other major congressman come out and say in an interview days before the inauguration that they do not see Barack ben, Obama as a legitimate ben, president. No, I, no, 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 I want is you to tell me who said hair? that because it is didn't that, happen. It didn't. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is what he's saying. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, well, well, we didn't do it. We did it, but not in this exact way. That's what's so egregious about it. Are you kidding me? On the day of his, uh, his inauguration, Republican leadership, congressional leadership met secretly to conspire with one another on how exactly they were going to delegitimize the presidency of Barack Obama. This is fucking absurd. It, it, it makes zero sense that he is that short-sighted or has that little shame that he'll go on national television and say this stupidity. Right. Well, John Lewis is also saying, I'm not sure he's a legitimate president because of the Russian interference. Yes. And Republicans were saying, hey, I'm not sure that Obama is a legitimate president because aren't we sure he was born here? He's black. He's black. Right. I don't know if Those you are noticed, very two but different conversations. All, all the 43 presidents before Barack Obama, they were white guys. This new guy... He looks a little different. I'm not sure I like the cut of his jib. Honestly. It's ultimately what they did. Honestly, that's yes. what it was. So these are two completely different conversations. And I almost wish that Poppy Harlow would have said that. Listen, yeah. well, this is what John Lewis is saying because of Russian interference. And this is what Republicans said. So yeah. these are two completely different things. It's hard in the moment. I realize that. <laughs> 
And Poppy Harlow, sometimes she just passes out while doing her job. That happened one time. <laughs> she it was did. pregnant. I'm yeah. just giving her shit. Yeah. I'm giving her shit because she, I'm sure will She's know She's going to listen to this show. Her. She's going to know. So listen, if this isn't, if you're thinking right now, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, this is just one knucklehead Republican, this doesn't represent the, the mainstream of the Republican Party and their view, well, you're either fucking dumb or you're wrong because here's Reince Priebus, <laughs> the current chairman of the Republican National Committee and future chief of staff oh, for the tangerine titan himself, Donald Trump. He says not only the same thing, but he goes into more detail with his fucking idiot idiot stance on the issue with George Stephanopoulos. Um, we need folks like John Lewis and others who I think have been champions of voter rights to actually recognize the fact that Donald Trump was duly elected. He's going to put his hand on the Bible in five days. And I think it's incredibly disappointing and I think it's irresponsible for people uh, like himself to question the legitimacy of the next United States president. Uh, I think uh, putting the United States uh, down across the world is not something that a responsible person does. And so, look, um, I think, in fact, I think President Obama could step up. Uh, we've had a great relationship with the White House, George. Uh, we, we just had every cabinet person uh, designee of ours meet with the cabinet uh, members of the Obama administration. Uh, on Friday. I've met numerous times with Dennis McDonough. They've been nothing but helpful. So I think the administration can do a lot of good by telling folks that are on their side of the aisle, look, we may have lost the election on the Democrat side, but it's time to come together. But isn't it harder it's to do that after a tweet like that from the president-elect? Well, wait a sec. But George, hang on. John Lewis stood up in an interview and said that Donald Trump was not a legitimate president. That's insanity, um, and it's wrong. And, and, and DNI Director Clapper said as much many, many times that there is no evidence that any outcome of the election was changed. President-elect Trump won 30 of 50 states, more counties since Ronald Reagan. This man won in an electoral landslide. And to question the legitimacy of the next United States president, you know, and you're worried about a, a tweet that says, hey, why don't you get back to work instead of questioning my legitimacy? Too it wasn't just a tweet saying, why don't you get back to work? It's calling him talk, talk, talk. And how he didn't have a role diminishing his important role in the civil rights progress of this nation. Again, maybe Brittany number two was right about the, the, the lessening of the importance of of history lessons in this country. She will be doing her country a great service to maybe be teaching the future rights prebuses of the world about how things goddamn work or worked in that case. Bad. You just We just had Senator Sanders on the program. He, he did not question legitimacy of the president. Like he said, he's going to attend the inauguration, but he did say that it was right to, to bring up questions like this because of Donald Trump's past and questioning the legitimacy of Barack Obama with those with those years and years of questions about his whether where he was born. The Donald Trump's made it clear that, uh, in, in, certainly over the last few years, that that Donald uh, that uh, pres that President Obama was born in Hawaii. But the point is, is not that until not the end of the campaign. But but hang on a second, George. We're not questioning the legitimacy of the outcome of the election. You didn't have Republicans questioning whether or not. 
Obama legitimately beat John McCain in 2008. For a person that is a champion of voter rights to question whether or not Donald Trump legitimately won an election or not is an incredible position to take five days before an inauguration. And so I, I some think Democrats that it's have an made that Some Democrats have made wrong. that. Some Democrats, have, including David Axelrod, have made that point at all. But it is a fact that Donald Trump was questioning whether President Obama was eligible to serve as president under the Constitution. And many people were, George. But that's that issue has been resolved for years now, and it's been resolved for at least two years in Donald Trump's mind. And to bring that up as justification for John Lewis questioning the legitimacy of a d democratic uh, activity that, is, that has been around since the beginning of our country is wrong. Just a, just a factual point, he didn't, stop raising those questions. he didn't stop raising those questions until late in this campaign, not two years. But look, George, that's not the point. The, the point is not <laughs> where Barack Obama was born. The point is, is that we've got congressmen on the Democratic side of the aisle that are questioning the legitimacy of President-elect Trump, who won in an electoral landslide. That's the issue. That's where the outrage should be. Not old news, but the fact that we are preparing for the transfer of power, and we have been working with President Obama uh, hand in glove. And I think that they, including the president, should step up and get his people in line and tell them to grow up and accept the fact that they lost the election. I'm so sick of... <laughs> just watching you across the table listening to that. <laughs> I'm just... I mean, it's really hard to listen to these people, you yeah. know? It, it, and it, it gets really... It's exhausting because they just spin, spin, spin. And, and you can't hammer them down. You can't get them to answer a question directly. Yes. They just spin right off topic. It's it's completely maddening. When did Donald Trump hold that press conference where he finally dispelled all the the rumors surrounding how he still felt about Barack Obama being born in this country? It was after the Republican National Convention. Yeah, so I mean, I, so it's been only the last five months, maybe. Yeah, so yeah. It, that had been going on for his entire That's presidency. Right. All kinds of press conferences saying he's got a very credible source that says no way was he born in the country and I have documentation that I'm going to show, none of which he ever showed. And now it's this, well, why can't we all just come together? Right. Why can't you guys just stop? <laughs> why can't we all just get along? Right now. <laughs> yeah. Don't delegitimize our president. The same guy who delegitimized single-handedly Barack Obama's or attempted to. Yeah. Made an attempt to delegitimize. It, it, is, it is laughable if it wasn't so tragic and a little bit scary that they're willing to forego facts and forego details and forego the history that we all know about just so their guy won't be scrutinized. And of course, Donald Trump attacked John Lewis on Twitter, we talked about this, but both Democrats and Republicans have come to his defense. Yes. And in response to that backlash, Donald Trump announced that he would be visiting the National Museum of African American History and Culture on Martin Luther King Day. Right. Well, that's the other thing. This is the weekend of celebrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right. And Donald Trump kicks off the weekend by denigrating a civil rights hero and friend of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right. So when all that backlash happened, he made the announcement, I'll be making a visit to the museum. 
And now he's no longer doing that. And he said that it's because of scheduling issues. All right. Listen, you just announced it on Saturday. You're so busy. Hold up in Trump Tower, dick face. What kind of scheduling issues have suddenly appeared? <laughs> Is someone going to be mocking you on TV and you can't miss it? I mean, yeah, what, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> Well, he he's, he's probably has an app that he could watch like direct TV on the phone. Yes. He, we should, somebody should point that out to him. Yeah. But I think it would be good for him to, to visit the museum, especially on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Right. And Barack Obama actually has been encouraging him to visit the museum. I think he encouraged him back in September when Donald Trump was saying that things are worse for black people than they ever have been. And he's the one that can make it better. Remember? Yeah. And Barack Obama said, quote, I think that even most eight-year-olds will tell you that that whole slavery thing wasn't very good for black people. Jim Crow wasn't very good for black people. Right. Um, and encouraged him to to visit the museum. So he's well, still not taking his advice. We will see. So. Yeah, that's no shit. That's, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. Well, look, we're going to leave it there. I'm going to start getting fired up and go on another rant. So we're going to end it there. Listen, next time we will get to these nominees and their confirmation hearings and the different... Uh, the the different toe-to-toe altercations that went on between congressmen and senators and the uh, the nominees. We've got Ruby. Well, we're not going to get into it. It's going to be great. There's a lot of good stuff. And hopefully by that time, there'll be more and we can share it with you. We're going to skip uh, asshole of today. Yeah, we'll just say Donald Trump's asshole today. How about that? That certainly works. It's the asshole of today. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty applicable most days, that every day. Yeah. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you'd like to sound off, communicate with the show. 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you'd like to support the show by other than listening twice a week or as often as you do, go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's all kinds of ways to support the show. We love you guys. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. She was greasing up her elbows pretty good and really getting in my ass, and I think <laughs> that her elbow may have slid past my asshole a couple of times. I just, it might have happened. 